This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Anyway, this week's Pasha is Pasha by Yeshev. Just when you think you can chill and take it easy and everything's going great, what happens? Yaakov Avinu, by Yeshev Yaakov, Eretz He just went through losing Rachel, his wife. He went through Lavan. He went through Esav. He went through very hard times. And now finally he was going to rest. But guess what? God doesn't bring us to this world to rest. You rest in peace after you leave this world, if you're lucky. But in this world, we got a lot of stuff to get done. So by Yeshiv Yaakov, Yaakov was going to rest, but there was no rest. What happened? So I'm going to have to paint you a picture so that you understand tonight's shear. It's, it's a little bit of a deep shear, but we're going to follow, we're going to follow it. So. Yaakov had a son, Yaakov had Shvatim, one of his sons was Yosef. Yosef was the oldest son of Rachel, and really, Yosef should have been the Bechar, because Yaakov was supposed to marry Rachel, he wasn't supposed to marry Leah, but Laban made a switch. So the first son of Rachel really should have been the Bechar. So Yosef was sort of the Bechar, and therefore Yaakov gave him a lot of attention, but Yaakov treated him a little differently than the other kids. The other 11 Shvatim went out into the field, and they were with animals, they were the shepherds. Yosef never left his house. Yosef, for 17 years, lived by his father. He was his Talmud Muvak. He learned with him. He didn't let him go out. He didn't let him have internet. Didn't even let him have a cell phone. He was totally sat by his father, and he learned for 17 years. And then one day, Yaakov said to Yosef, I want you to go out to meet your brothers, to see what's going on where they're being shepherds. But at that point, the brothers did not like Yosef. Why didn't the brothers like Yosef? Because the father gave him a Ksenis Pasim, a very beautiful special coat that they didn't get. And so it's hard to say that the shift they caught were jealous, right? So we're not going to say that they were jealous, but Yosef definitely got, you know, special attention. But that's not why they hated him. What happened was that Yosef told his brothers, I had a dream. And in that dream, there were 11 bundles. There were bundles. And they bowed down to me. And the brothers were like, oh, we're like, we're much older than you, and we bowed down to you. So they didn't like him. He said, wait, I got another dream. He said, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. Now they got really angry. Oh, the sun, our father, Yaakov Avinu, and the moon, our mother Leah, and the 11 of us, the stars, we bowed down to you? Who do you think you are, little boy, to say that Yaakov Avinu and Leah... And the, and the shift they call, bowed down to him. So they called him. Anyone here know what they called him? <laughs> Baal HaChaloymais. The dream boy. The dreamer. They did not like him. Now why did he tell them two dreams? Because it says if you have two dreams with the same meaning, it's going to come true. How do you know that? Paro. Paro had a dream. Seven skinny cows, seven fat cows, the seven fat cows, the seven skinny cows, eight the seven fat cows, and they didn't get any fatter. And everybody wanted to know what that Egyptian diet is. That the skinny can eat the fat and not get any fatter, right? So there was a famous, famous question that I was asked as a kid, and it still bothers me that I didn't have the answer. My Rebbe got up and he said that they went on this archaeological dig near the Nile River in Egypt, and they found seven skeletons of cows buried in the sand. So he said, class, who were they? The skeletons of the fat ones? All the skeletons of the skinny ones. And I screamed out, Rebbe, the skinny ones ate the fat ones. And they didn't get any fatter. Of course it was the skinny ones. And he said, are you kidding me, Wallstein? It was a dream. <laughs> what are you talking about? And I felt very silly, not for the first time in my life at that point, right? So don't ever get tricked on that question. But seriously, since he had two dreams, one after another, so Yosef Atzadik knew that it was a nevuah. But it wasn't a dream, but it was a nevuah, it was a prophecy that was going to come true. So by Yosef saying twice that he had this dream, he was telling his brothers, this is not a dream. You are going to bow down to me one day. And Yaakov Avinu and, and, my, and Leah will bow down to me one day. And that really got them upset. Now there's a famous question. And the question is, there was one more. Why were there, there were 11 brothers, but there was one more. There was Dina. There was a sister. How come she wasn't in the dream? How come there were only 11 stars? And there's a famous answer. 
And the answer is like this. Who was Dina? Dina had a baby with Shem. What was the baby's name? Anyone here know? Osnas. Who married Osnas? Yosef. So what was Dina to Yosef? His mother-in-law. Even in your dreams, your mother-in-law will never bow down to you. All right. I got all my jokes out of the way. Now I know you're all up. Okay. Now, they're going to come home. So what did you learn, Rabbi Wallace, this year? Oh, I got to tell you a joke. Okay. So, they did not like him. So, so, it's a joke. It's not a Rashi. It's not a Rashi. Hello, don't go home. Don't go to school tomorrow. Rabbi Wallace said a Rashi about a mother-in-law. No, it's not a Rashi. It's a joke. Joke, joke. Okay. It's the one rabbi joke that people laugh at. So, so he wasn't liked. So his brothers see him, and they pass in halacha. He's got to die. So they take him, and they take off his beautiful coat, his Ksenis Pasen, and they throw him into a bar, which is very connected to Hanukkah, by the way, the Gemara that talks about Hanukkah, because they threw him into a bar, and they, they thought there were snakes and, and scorpions, right? Right? It says, Ein boy mayim. It was a bar that had no water, says Rashi. Aval nechashin v'akravim. But snakes and scorpions, there were there. They couldn't see them because the hole, the bar, was 20 feet deep. It was 10 amos deep. We learned from that that you can't see 10 amos. And therefore, the menorah, Allah says, when you light the menorah, it can't be 10 amos above the ground. Because the person's normal eyesight, if he looks at something, is not 20 feet up. It's about 10 feet up. So it's very connected. This parsha is very connected to the, to the parsha, to the whole thing of Hanukkah. But anyway, so they threw him into a bar to kill him. Did it work? Snake said, Tzadik, keep your fangs out of him. Scorpion said, Tzadik, keep your, your stinger out of him. And they all went into the walls of the bar. And they didn't touch him. And the brother said, if you can't kill him, sell him. So they pulled him out of the bar and they sold him to Mijanin. Yishmaelim, he ended up in Mitzrayim. Now, so far, you're like, right, Wallstein, I learned this in first grade, third grade. Like, what are you telling us? I have to paint you a very, a very important picture here. Now, let's go into Yosef's mind a bit. Let's be psychologists. Okay? Okay, first of all, I owe you already about 30 bucks. But anyway, let's be psychologists. You have a boy. He's protected at home by his father. He's, he's his father's Talmud. He goes out to do a good thing to go see how his brothers are doing. And these brothers, now I want to explain to you something about these brothers. There were six sons of Leah, two of Billah, two of Zilpah. Billah and Zilpah were maidservants. So they weren't, those boys were not, their sons, right, were not considered by the Shvatim, by the six sons of Leah, to be really Shifteikah. So there was a lot of arguing. Yosef HaTzadik was the peacemaker. So those four from the shivchas, from the maidservants, Yosef was busy making peace between them and the other shvatim. So Yosef was a really nice boy. And he came for his father to see how they're doing. And what did they do? Trauma. They took him, took his jacket off, and threw him into a pit. Right? If that happened to any one of us, if our brothers took us and threw us into a pit to kill us, you would need a lot of therapy. That's very dysfunctional. And then, after you come out alive and you're like, hey, see? I'm righteous. God's with me. Yeah? Now we're going to sell you. Where are you selling me to? Miami? Good. L.A.? Great. No. San Francisco. With all the weirdos. (laughs) We're selling you to the village in Manhattan. You're talking about Yaakov Avinu, who was the highest in Kedusha, Yaakov, to Yosef, who was the highest in Kedusha. Where are you selling him to? The lowest immoral place in the whole world? A place called Egypt. Where men married men and women married women. And I don't even want to say what else the Medrash says went on there. The lowest of the low. Abedizara serving idols at its highest level. Shvichas Dhamim murder, they killed little kids and used to bathe in their blood because Paro bathed in their blood because he had leprosy. No meaningful life, just party, a party country. The Egyptian way. 
lowest of the low, that's where they sent this tzaddik, this boy who for 17 years was protected and sat and learned with his father. This is where he was sent. Did he have reason to hate his brothers? Did he have reason to question God? Did he have reason to hate Judaism and what it stands for? Wow, did he have reason. Did he have a support group when he got to Mitzrayim? Was Lubavitch waiting for him? Was there Shatora waiting for him? Was there a place for him to go learn? No Jew, no support. Nobody there for him. You need to know, you need to understand what this boy was walking into. Says Rashi, says Rashi, that when they came to sell him on the slave block in Mitzrayim, Potiphar bought him. Because Potiphar, says Rashi, was gay. And there was no one more beautiful in the world than Yosef HaTzadik. Says the Chidah, that was about to happen with Potiphar's wife and Yosef, was the war of the worlds. And let me tell you a little Kabbalah tonight. When Adam was created, the Zayah says, the Chidah brings this down, when he was created, every soul in the world was part of him. When he did the sin of the Eitz he divorced, he separated from Chava for 130 years. And during those 130 years, something happened with Adam that caused his body, his perfect Sholem body, his body of souls, his spiritual body to explode. And all these souls that were part of him dissipated and went through the whole world, were all distributed through the whole world. And he no longer was whole. And the job till Mashiach comes is to put Humpty Dumpty back together. To put all these souls back into Adam. And that's why it says that we are in the Ikvasa de Mashiach. The Ikvasa means the heel. All the other generations before us have brought all the souls back into Adam's body. But Mashiach can't come until it's finished. And what's not finished on him is the bottom of his feet. His heel. And the ikvus of the Mashiach means the end right before Mashiach is when all the souls that are left are brought into his heel. And all the souls are not worth anything till the heel is finished because you can't stand without a heel. And that's why the last generation before Mashiach is the most important. When those souls were distributed all across the world, the Mabo destroyed. And all those souls had to come back. And they came back during the Dorha Flaga. And then the Dorha Flaga was also spread around the world. And they all ended up, all those souls, and there's a name for them in, in, in Kabbalah, ended up in Mitzrayim. And the Jewish nation had to go into Mitzrayim to recapture those souls for the holy side. Moshe Rabbeinu had to be put into the castle of the Melech because the highest of those souls were in the castle of Paro, caught by the Klippa, by the Tumah, and we had to free them. Yaakov Avinu was a Gilgal of Adam Harishon. And that's why Yaakov Avinu was so beautiful. Because there was no more beautiful man or woman ever in this world than Adam and Chava, because they were not born. They were created by the hands of God. And if God sculptures a human being, the human being has to be perfect. So Adam and Chava were actually sculptured by God's hands, and therefore you could not even look upon them. Their beauty was so amazing. Yaakov Avinu was also very beautiful. He was a Gilgal of Adam Harishon. And Yosef had the DNA of his father Yaakov, and the Medrash says that he looked exactly, exactly like Yaakov. And we also know that Yitzhak Avinu looked exactly like Avraham, 
because they were saying that Yitzhak came from Elimelech, and you could see that he didn't because he looked like Avram. So Yosef Hatzadik came down to Mitzrayim. He was called Yisoid, foundation. Yosef represents the foundation of the holiness of a Jew. And he was bought by a gay man to be his boy. The lowest of the low. This yeshiva boy, protected child of Yaakov Avinu, ended up in the worst house in Mitzrayim. You need to understand that. And had every excuse to walk out of Yiddishkeit. I have no support. No one will ever catch me if I do a sin. My brothers try to kill me. Then they sold me. Why do I need to be good? The only time in the Torah that a man is called beautiful is in this week's parsha. Yosef HaTzadik was a Yafas Ma'er, says the Torah, and a Yafas Toyar. He had a beautiful figure and he had a beautiful face. And here he is put into this situation. And I want to read you the psukim because you have to, the psukim are amazing. So what happens? He understood that he was very beautiful and Rashi says that he used to look in the mirror and he used to brush his hair. Rashi says it. And he got into a lot of trouble. Well, Yosef, who are Mitzrayim? Yosef came down to Mitzrayim by Yekineo Paitifa Swiss Paro. He was bought by this agent of Paro. By He Hashem is Yosef. God was with Yosef. And everything he touched turned to gold. Everything he had anything to do with turned out unbelievable. And the owner, Potifa, gave Yosef everything to control. By he, Yosef, And he was very beautiful. By he, And after this, what happened? After this is Rashi, that he was busy with his hair and his looks and his clothing. What happened after this? By Tisa Eshes Adonov, the wife of his master, Potiphar's wife, Eshes Potiphar, raised her eyes, O Yosef, she said, she said to Yosef, I want you to lay with me. In the biblical terms, meant a lot more than that. He refused. He said, no. Why not? Why not? You went through such a terrible life. Nobody will ever catch you. And he said, no. Says the Chidah, who was Eshaz Potifa? Says the Chidah, it was the Satan. Now if the Satan created a woman, you could imagine what kind of woman she was. And the Satan's job here was to get Yosef, who was foundation, who was Yisoyed, to sin with this woman that he created and if that would happen the foundation of the world would crack because Yosef was the Yisoyed of the world and if the foundation of the world cracked the world would be destroyed this was in this week's Pasha the war of the worlds it wasn't some woman and some good looking guy why did the Satan want the world to crack what was he to gain? If Yosef went down and he made this mistake, the Satan would get all those souls that Adam lost. He was playing for it all. So this woman came to Yosef and she said, Shikhva'imi, lay with me. On the word Vayimain in, in the Chumash, if you look, there are musical notes on top of every word. There's a shalshelis on top of the word vayimayin. The trump is like a siren. The trump, the, the musical sound when the rat, when, when the Balkaira will read it will sound like vayimayin, like a siren, but also a stand. Not, I refuse. It's like, I refuse. Where did he get the strength? There's no support. There's no support. What do you mean you refuse? Where did it come from? And on top of it is a shalshelis, which is a chain. Where is that chain connected? So we look in the parsha for another vayimayin. 
And in the beginning of the Pasha, when the brothers came back with the coat dipped in blood, because they weren't going to lie, they weren't going to tell their father that Yosef is dead, because then later on, the father would say, you're a liar. So they took his coat, and they dipped it in goat's blood, and they brought it to the father, and they said, we don't know where he is, but we found his coat. And his father looked at the coat with all the blood, and he said, an animal must have ripped him. Taraf, taraf, Yosef. My son got ripped to pieces. He refused to be comforted. And everybody asked the question, what are you talking about? Yaakov Avina, what do you mean? You go, you, when you go to be Menachem Bobo, someone who, who died, someone who died, what do you tell that person? Listen, you know, Hashem doesn't give anyone a test you can't handle. Oh, oh she's in a better place. You know, really. We're, we're in this terrible place in the world, but, but your mother, you know, grandmother, she's in a much better place. You know, or, you know, God knows what he's doing. Gamzul Taiva. We have all these answers, right? Yaakov Avinu, the biggest sonic, is saying, don't come to me and give me any of these answers. I refuse to be comforted. Hello? You should be telling your kids, it's okay, Yosef died. Then Shemayim, he's learning with Hashem. He's good, he's up there with Avram Avinu. Everything's fine. And instead he's saying, don't you dare come to me. Don't you try to make me feel good. I refuse. That's the opposite of what a Jew's allowed to do. It's a beautiful lesson. What a lesson. Yaakov Avinu said the following. And each one of us needs to say that into ourselves. Yaakov Avinu said, I had a son, his name was Yosef. I put 17 years into this kid. I learned with him. I took care of him. Until you bring me a dead body, you can bring me all the coats with all the blood. But until you bring me Yosef's body dead, I refuse to be comforted because there's no comfort needed. Because he's not dead. Show me a body. That's unbelievable because Yosef Atzadik knew his father. And he said, I might be in Mitzrayim alone, but I got a dad, I got a father, I got an Abba that's in Canaan, and I know him. And until they bring my dead body to him, he will never, ever give up on me. And if he's not willing to give up on me, I'm not willing to give up on me. So the two vayimotens, the two refusals, are connected to each other. Yosef's power to refuse to give up on himself came knowing my dad will never give up on me until I'm dead. So I know that he's sitting in Israel saying, my boy is alive! And he's coming back! Because you didn't show me no dead body! Well, everyone in this room needs to know that we have a father in Shemayim who's called God. And we're his children. And the missionary Pekayavos says that God says, till you're dead, I want you to know I am waiting to the last second of your life for you to come back to me. I also don't give up on any of my children till there's a dead body. As long as you're alive, says Hashem, I refuse to give up on you. I don't care if you did every sin in the whole Torah a hundred times. But until you're dead, the last second, you can say, Shema Yisrael, you can say, Ain't on Mavado, there's no one else but you. I will take you back. Because there's nobody. You can show me all the blood on all the jackets and everything she did and all the internet and all the messages all the movies and all the boys and every favor that she did. I don't give up on her until she breathes no longer. Said Yaakov, I refuse to give up on my child. God says the same thing. I refuse to give up on my children no matter what they have done. And that's this week's Pasha. But it's not over. You think the Yitzhak walks away? He doesn't walk away. So the Pasha goes on. And what happened? He said to her, listen, I'm the biggest, I'm the greatest guy in this house. Your husband gave me all the power. How could I do this bad thing? Because the Chatasi Kim, at the end of the day, it's a sin to God. 
What was going on over here? So the Medrash that she said, what's your problem with me? Why don't you want to be with me? I'm a beautiful woman. What's your problem, boy? And Yosef said, I got two problems with you. Problem number one, you're a married woman. You're married to Potiphar. You want me to do adultery? You know who I am? I'm the son of Yaakov. I don't do adultery. I got another problem with you. You're not Jewish. I can't be with you. I'm not going to be with you. You're not Jewish. But he was dealing with the Satan. So she said to Yosef, she was brilliant. She said, can I ask you something? How, do you, how does a non-Jewish person, according to the Jewish law, get married? Jewish person can get married in three ways. Money, put a ring on, star, write a whatever it is, and being with the woman together. There's three different ways. By a non-Jew, money doesn't make a marriage. A stark suva doesn't exist. To consummate a marriage, according to us, for a non-Jew, they have to be physically together for marriage. She turned to Yosef. She said, you know why my husband bought you. My husband's gay. My husband's gay. You know that the two of us were never together. We were never physically together. So therefore, even in Jewish law, I'm not married. Your problem is adultery? According to your law, we're not married, me and Potiphar. So that problem's out the door. And he had nothing to say. Because according to Jewish law, they were not married. She said, and you got a problem that I'm not Jewish? Let's go outside and take a look at the stars. She was a stargazer. They were able to look at the stars, and by the position of the star, know the future. Yosef HaTzadik also knew how to read the stars. He was Yaakov's son. Because Baruch Hu told Avram, go out and look at the stars. He knew how to read the stars. So they looked up at the stars, and you know what the stars said that was going to be in the future? The stars said that from Potiphar's wife and Yosef HaTzadik will come two holy children, Ephraim and Menashe. And she said, I didn't write it, God wrote it. You know how to read the stars, what do you see? And Yosef said, I don't understand. It looks like Hashem wants this. For me and you, it's coming Ephraim and Menashe. So she said, okay, you had two reasons, your two reasons don't belong anymore. And he had nothing to say. So what happened? Came one day when everybody was by a birthday party of Paro, and he came to the house, and she grabbed him. But this, very interesting that the Torah tells us, she did something different and she did all the other times. She said, Lishkavimi, come lay with me. Come be with me physically. Here the Pasuk says, when nobody was there, but if she grabbed onto his clothing, Lamar saying, Shechvaimi, lay with me. The Torah adds here, she grabbed onto his clothing. Now everybody thinks that Yosef at that point ran out and she was holding his clothing and she ripped it off him. No. Vayazov Bigdai Biyadah. She grabbed onto his jacket. He says, you can have my jacket. And he took it off and he gave it to her, says the Pasuk. He gave her his jacket. Right? By Yanas, he took off running. By Yetzirah and he ran outside. Says the Pasuk, listen to this Pasuk, because you never looked at the translation carefully. And it was when she saw that he left his jacket in her hand willingly. He ran out. She screamed to everybody. Oh, look what's going on. Heavy little ish ivri. A Jew boy you brought here. All of a sudden he became a Jew boy. Until now it was lay with me, be with me. You're beautiful. I want you. Everything was great. All of a sudden she's calling him ish Jewish boy, ish ivri. Look what you brought to attack me. What happened all of a sudden? And the Pusik says that she realized, why would she do that? Because she realized that she's never going to get him. So if I can't get him, nobody else is going to get him. So she screamed that he raped her. That's it. What happened in this Pusik? The Pusik before that said every single day she bothered him. Why all of a sudden, when he gave her his jacket, she gave up. She said, I'm never going to get him. 
you boy. What happened? What's going on here? Much deeper. Yosef came very close to doing a very bad Avera. The major says that he was in the bed with her. And she looked up and her Avoidizora, her idol, was at the end of her bed, on her bedpost. And she said to Yosef, uh, we shouldn't be doing this in front of my God. So she took a sheet, some medrash, and she covered the idol. And Yosef said, well, we sort of have a big problem here. See, because we don't have a sheet big enough to cover my God. It's medrash. And he realized, oh my gosh, what am I about to do? And he got up, and he ran out of the bed, and he went to open the window, and when he looked in the window, it says he saw his father's face. That's one refresh. He didn't see his father's face. He saw his reflection. Because he looked exactly like Yaakov. So when he looked into the, into the, into the glass, he said, My father, my grandfather Yitzchak, my great-grandfather Avram, they gave away everything for me. What am I doing? I'm going to destroy everything they stand for. The kuno is, is the, the image of. I'm going to rule the whole image. He said, I'm out of here. But he realized that the satan, and you need to know this, the satan can't get your soul. Your soul is fire. The satan is black ice. If he touched your soul, he would melt his hands right off. He cannot get you by your soul. How does he get you? By your clothing. And I don't mean your physical clothing. On a shaman's clothing in this world, our clothing is our cars, our money, our music, our movies, our clothes, everything, everything, the outside, the materialistic world is called your clothing. Yosef said, how did she get me into this position? Into her bedroom, into her bed? How did Yosef Atzadik, how did he get me here? Because I brushed my hair. Because I wore nice clothing. It's sort of, we used to play tackle football when I was younger. And we all knew that when you played tackle football, no matter if it was 20 degrees below zero and snowing, you did not wear a coat or a sweater. You put on a very, very tight t-shirt. Why? Because if I'm faster than someone and he has to tackle me, he has to grab me, he has to catch me. But if I'm wearing a jacket... He could be four steps behind me and just grab onto my hood and grab onto my jacket and throw me down. So the more clothing, the more materialism you have, you're giving the more to the satan to grab. So Yosef HaTzadik said, I don't want this clothing. It wasn't a jacket in the physical world. He said, I don't want to be connected anymore to my good looks and to all that because that's what got me here. So the minute he took that off and he handed it to her, he gave the something. He said, all my looks, all my money, all my power, all my clothing, all this materialistic world, it's yours. The Satan said, we can't get him anymore because we can't, we don't have anything to grab onto. And that's when he started screaming, Jew boy, he raped me. When she realized that if I don't have, if I don't have any materialism to grab on I can't get him and he ran for his life but there's a very scary pasuk what did she do with his clothing what did she do with his clothing who cares right put it in the closet put it in the laundry took it to the dry cleaners who cares the Torah cares and the Torah tells us what she did with his clothing she took his clothing and put it next to her. Ad until Bo Adonov Obeso. Until the master will come home. Strange Pusik. She took his clothing and put it next to her until the master will come home. Says the Chida that the Satan said, You got away, Yosef. So you don't have a cell phone, and you don't have Facebook, and you don't have movies. And you don't have liquor, and you don't have drugs, and you get, you lift everything. You don't have a fancy car, and you're not into money, and you're not into looks, and you're not into style, and you're not into all that stuff. 
you got away from me. But you left me all of your Gashmias. That stays by me for 2012 until I own the Gashmias of the world. Ad, until the master goes back to his house because Baruch Hu goes back to the Mesa Migdash. Until Mashiach, he said, I will affect your children because I will grab on to all their beged. Scary. Very, very scary. I want to tell you a story. I've told it here many, many years ago. Very fascinating story about a boy who was going out with a non-Jewish girl. Jewish boy was going out with a Christian girl. And they had rabbis like me to go speak to him and talk him out of it and tell him, you know, Jews are oil and it's water and we don't mix. It's not that we're better, but our neshamas don't mix. And this guy was like, well, none of this stuff works. And finally, he's going to marry her. And his parents, of course, were religious. They're not going to this wedding. But they wanted to break this up and they didn't know what to do. So they heard that there's this one rabbi in Manhattan who's a clean-shaven guy, young guy, but he's a superstar at breaking up Jews and non-Jews getting married. So they called him up. And they said, we have this problem. Would you do this for us? And he said, if you send me your son, I'm not going after him, but he's willing to meet with me for an hour. Gladly, I'll do this for you. See the Eight Sahara? He's not playing around. So, there's nobody in there, by the way. Don't get nervous. Maybe there is. So anyway... So, they call their son, and they're like, we have one more rabbi that we want you to talk to. He's like, dad and mom, this is the deal. You want me to talk to another rabbi? I'll talk to another rabbi. But only if you agree that after I talk to him, no matter what happens, you're coming to my wedding. And they're like, how could they go to a non-Jewish wedding? And they said, okay, we have no choice because we have one last chance to break this up. We agree, if you talk to this rabbi, we will come to the wedding. This guy's like, this is going to be great. An hour, I'm going to listen to this guy talk. I'm not going to even listen to anything he has to say. And then, I'm going to marry this non-Jew, and my parents are going to be there. He's very happy with himself, and he comes to the rabbi's house. And I told you there's nobody in there, don't worry. Right. It's, uh, it's, uh, there's stuff going on behind me. Don't get nervous. We're fighting the sultan here. This is not a joke. Anyway. So, he's very excited. He comes to the rabbi's house. This guy's a clean-shaven young rabbi. The guy sits down. He says, you know, my parents said I have to speak to you for an hour. So what do you got to say, rabbi? You're going to tell me the oil and thing, the oil and water thing. You're going to show me how they don't mix. Like, what, what, what you got up your sleeve? Rabbi says, no, I don't do that stuff. He says, listen, I told your parents I'm going to talk you out of it. If you want to marry her, marry her. I got nothing against it. This guy's like, are you orthodox or reform? He's like, I'm orthodox. He says, I'll come to the wedding. What? Well, on one condition. He says, what? He says, when's the wedding? When's next week, Wednesday? Saturday night? I want you to make a bachelor's party in your house. He says, really? He says, and I'm coming. I want a lot of hard liquor. I want wine. I want cases of beer. I want this to be a crazy bachelor's party. Guy's like, Rabbi, you are cool. And he says, but you can't make it unless I come. He goes, you're there, you're in. He's like, oh my gosh. My parents don't know what they just did. <laughs> it's a true story. Unbelievable story. So, Saturday night, bachelor's party. He invites his, his kawa and her parents and their uncles and their aunts and everybody. Of course, the Jewish people are not going to come. So all the non-Jewish people came and it's the party. It's it's Johnny Walker Blue. It's it's the best liquors. It's it's the best hard liquor. It's the everything. It's it's re- a real party. So they start drinking, and they're getting drunk. And this rabbi came to the party with his yarmulke, and all of a sudden these three uncles come walking out. Uncles of the girl come walking over to this rabbi. Hey man, you rabbi? Yeah. You're a Jew, right? Yeah, if I'm a rabbi, I'm a Jew. <laughs> you guys, you steal all our money, right? You Jews. You're a bunch of kikes. Hitler should have killed you all. You guys think you're going to take over the world. 
you think you're the chosen. And he starts cursing. This boy, this Jewish boy, sees this. He goes over to the three guys. Hey, man, come on, leave the rabbi alone, man. You guys are drunk. You know, they give this guy a push, the chassan. He's like, you shut up. You're also a Jew. You keep your mouth shut. You're lucky we're letting you into the family. And all of a sudden, the cousins and everybody like, hey, Jews, kikes. God, you know, Hitler should have killed all of you. You're a bunch of this, you're a bunch of that, as Shakespeare said, in The Taming of the Shrew. The sniveling Jew. So all of a sudden, this party went out of control. And they're all ragging on this Jewish kid and this Jewish rabbi. Until the kala, the kala, the bride, joins in with her whole family. You're lucky that our children are going to be Christian, not part of your tribe, cursing and calling Jews everything that you can imagine. And he's like, what happened to this family? They were so nice to me. And the rabbi turned to him and said, Nichnas yayin, said. In goes the wine, out comes the secrets. You want to marry her? You want to marry into her family? Go right ahead. But I want you to know what you're marrying into. And of course, I don't have to tell you that that marriage was over. It's a very, very famous story. This is what happened in this week's Pasha. Lay with me. Be part of my culture. Wear my clothing. Listen to my rap. Dance like me. Exercise like me. Look like me. You're one of us. We're at school together. We're at work together. We love you. Shikva'imi. Lay with me. Lay next to me. Be part of my culture. But when the Jew stands up and the Jew says, No. I don't do these things. I'm different. Ish, every, said Potiphar's wife. You're a low-life Jew and you try to rape me. I'm going to put you in jail forever. This Pasha shows us what it's all about. When you take off that outer clothing, when you take off that culture, when you take off the non-Jewish part of you, and you run away, and you want to be different, they're all pointing fingers, Jew, ish, every Jew. My grandfather, although Shalom, was in the Holocaust. He lived in Germany. He had very close friends that were German non-Jews. He had a store. He bought stuff from them, they bought from, he had a very, very close friend who turned him and my parents into the Gestapo. And he, got, he ended up in Treblinka and he ended up getting out. And they were saved. They ended up in Holland, they ended up in America. My grandfather Shalom always said to me, and I know a lot of you who are cultured, who I'm going to get emails, who know Gaisha people that, are, that are, I deal with them, they're very nice people, 100%. 100%. I'm not telling you that every non Jew will call you a kike and call you every kind of name, but plenty of them will. My grandfather always looked at us and he said, just remember something. I went through the Holocaust and you should never learn this lesson. He said, but I'd rather get a, get a smack from the worst Jew than a kiss from the best guy. Because he went through the Holocaust and he saw it. And this Torah lesson from Yosef, look how beautiful, look how close she was to him. The minute he turned around and became a Jew and became different, and took his outer clothing and said, I'm not part of your culture, boom. She actually wanted him to be hung. But he was put in prison. What happened here? Yosef HaTzadik had clarity. And what did he say at the end in the Pasuk? He said, you're right. You're not married. You're right. From us are going to come tzaddikim. So I should be doing this. In fact, it's what Hashem wants. You don't know how twisted and, and how twisted you can become in your head. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. How you can do the worst thing in the world, tell the biggest Lashon horror on a girl, right? Because you have to tell MS. I have to tell the teacher. She has to know. It's, it's MS. I'm a, I'm a Tzadikista. 
a man was in my house. And the reason he was brought to my house to speak to me was because he committed adultery with a married woman. And his rabbi sent him to speak to me. And I sat there and I said to him, what are you thinking? This woman has a husband. This woman has children. You have adultery. What are the three cardinal sins? Adultery, you're a religious guy. I just want to know so I can understand your mind. What were you thinking when you did this? Like, what were you thinking? God's not watching. You get one time, like, you know. Like, what, what exactly was going through your head? I need to understand what's going through you. What he told me? He said, Brother Wallerstein, don't judge me. I said, I'm not judging you. I just want to understand you. He said, not only it wasn't that very what I did, it was a mitzvah. <laughs> I said, it was a mitzvah? Explain. He said, this woman works with me for the last few years. Her husband is abusive. She's manic depressant. One day she came to me and she said, I just want you to know if I'm not here tomorrow, I want you to know that tonight I'm taking my life. He said, so I developed a relationship with her and we spoke every single day and she told me that I brought her back to this world and I want you to know, Rev. Wallstein, I saved her life by committing adultery, by sleeping with her, I saved her life. She would not be alive. You're laughing. He meant it very seriously. He stood in front of me and he meant it very seriously. I was doing a mitzvah. I was helping her. I lost it. I don't usually lose it. Only every 10 minutes, but I lost it. And I said, you idiot! If she would have killed herself, she would have taken her life out of the physical world. You committed adultery with her. You took her out of the next world. Forever. You fool. You did a mitzvah. You should have called a therapist. You should have tried to help her. You were selfish. Go inside yourself. You wanted to be with her. This wasn't about her. It was about you, you liar. Said you took her from the next world. Both of you. Don't tell me you saved her life. And he looked at me, he had nothing to answer. The HR takes you and he twists you into a pretzel and he makes you think, he makes you think that you're doing the biggest mitzvah when you're doing the biggest avera. I exercise and I do this music stuff and it's Latin, Gaish music, but it's exercise. So I feel better about myself. Everything you, the Satan sells you, you don't, get a, you don't get a fish with an empty hook. You got to put bait on it. There's always... I bought internet to listen to Rebbe Wallstein's room. Okay, I go to chat rooms after that. I do a couple other things. But Lemaissa, that's why. And I got to watch this movie. Rabbi, hey, I got to rest. I got to relax. It's healthy so that I can go to the next year and learn. He sells you. He never sells you that you're doing something wrong. So he took all this music that Beisakra has never heard in their life. They never moved their bodies that way in their life. And they called it Jumba. And now all of a sudden it's kosher because you can listen to Latin music, you can move like a black person dancing in a club, and it's all good because, what are you talking about? Her husband's much happier now that she goes to Jumba, and, and she's much healthier, and she's in contact with her inner self, and we're doing mitzvahs, and we're being macabre, everybody, and it's amazing! I, the girl after that, goes into her car and turns on all the other Gaisha music, which you just introduced her by Zumba. And now, the same girl a year later is in a club in the village because you opened up her ears to a world that she never knew. So you have to have clarity. So Yosef Atzadik in the end turned to her and said, you're right, you're not married and it's meant to be that we're supposed to have tzaddikim. Vachatashiwalikim! At the end of the day, does God want me to sleep with a married or whatever you want to call a woman, Egyptian? Is that where God wants to find Yosef HaTzadik in bed with you? At the end of the day, it's wrong. It's wrong. I need to watch this movie because I need to relax. Does God want you to watch that movie? Do you want him to sit next to you or maybe have a wall steam while you watch that movie? If it's so right, why not? Why not? Why not? So he got clarity. Because his father Yaakov had clarity when he fought the Malach. And when the sun came out in the morning, the Malach ran because the Malach said, if you have clarity, I can't beat you. 
So Yosef said, you know what, you're 100% right. But at the end of the day, God doesn't want me to be in bed with you. And therefore, it's got to be wrong. And also, you have a husband who gave me everything in his house. Everything. How could I do such a terrible thing to your husband? Where's my hakar satay? It has to be wrong. And that's the lesson. That's what's going to save you from making the biggest mistakes in your life. I want to end with this. And I've said it before. And, and this is the focus of what happened here with Yasef HaTzadik. And this is what saved him. So there were these, and I've said this many times, but just to understand. There were these two Israeli soldiers that got lost in the desert, the Judean desert, and they were dying. It was 140 degrees in the shade in the summer. And they didn't have water. And they were on top of a, of a sand dune. And they were dying. And they were on top of the sand dune hoping they're in a high place that the Israelis will have a helicopter that will find them. And one of them was so not parched without water that he began to have a very high fever. And when he had a high fever, he began to hallucinate. And when he hallucinated, he saw at the bottom of this big sand dune a river, a lake of water. And he told his friend, we got to go down there. God made a miracle. There's a lake. And of course, the other Israeli soldier was like, yeah, a lake. Yeah, right. Right? But meanwhile, when you have a mirage and you're sure you're seeing something, right? You're slapping your friend. So he's slapping him. Let's go down. It's a lake. Hashem saved us. And he's like, if we go down there, they'll never find us. We will die down there. But his friend was hallucinating and he was totally sure that there was water. So he thought really fast. I read this in the Jerusalem Post when I was in Eretz Yisrael. So he was genius. He told his friend that was hallucinating that was looking at this mirage, he said, okay, I'll go with you, I'll make you a deal. You know that water reflects. Look at the sun, it's so bright, in the blue sky. Look at your lake, and tell me, in your lake, do you see the reflection of the sun in the blue sky? If you do, it's water, we're going down. If you don't, it's sand, because sand doesn't reflect. So he said, yeah, let me look. And he looks down, and he looks at the water, and lo and behold, there's no reflection. There's no sun, there's no blue sky. He's like, that's crazy. I see the sun, I look at the water, I don't see the sun. He says, because there is no water. Because it's sand, and sand doesn't reflect. Come and lay next to me, and maybe someone will save us. Four hours later, the helicopters found them. So when this guy got better, he wrote a letter in the Ma'ariv, in Eretz Yisrael, to his friend, thanking him for saving his life, and how brilliant he was, that the reflection was the ability to tell if it was water or sand. Had they gone down, they would have been both dead. When I read this story in the Jerusalem Post, I said to myself, this is Pasha's Bayeshev. The bottom line, when Yosef looked in the window, when he looked in the reflection, I'm in someone's bedroom. Is this where God wants me to be? The answer is, no! The Chatashi Lalekim, that it's wrong. With all the stargazing, halachas, all the terutsim, and there's a lot of terutsim. Bottom line, do I see a reflection of God in the water of what I'm about to do? If I don't, it's a mirage. It's fake. It's the suffering. If I see God in it, then it's real. Do I see God talking bad about somebody else when it comes to a shidduch? Do I see God when I'm listening to this kind of music, do I see God when I'm watching that terrible movie? Is, is, is God in that movie? Is God sitting next to me? So no matter what my excuse is, exercise, and I need to rest, and I need this, and I need that, bottom line, if God is not in that reflection, Sajayseh, forget about it. Run for your life. The Khatasi Kim. The war of the world was won by Yosef HaTzadik through one thing, the biggest bracha a person can have, clarity. He was able to see. Now, you're going to ask me, but if the stars said Ephraim and Manasseh, what did this mean? And the answer was that Potiphar's daughter, which was Asnashmas Potiphera, married Yosef and had Ephraim and Manasseh. Therefore, from her and Yosef, because Asnash was adopted by, so through Potiphar's wife, Ephraim and Manasseh came to be because Asnash was her daughter and ended up marrying Yosef. So the stars said the truth, but she translated it the way she needed it to be. And that's what everyone needs to know. You will save 
so many mistakes in life, you will save so much pain that you can cause others. If you're able to do, to able to look at what I'm about to do, do I want God with me when I do it? If the answer is yes, do it. If the answer is, well, not God. I don't really want him with me when I do this. Then the answer is no. Then for chatosi lavakim. And what was the reward? Yosef ran out. And because of that, we were all here today. Because when we came to the Yamsuf, and the Egyptians were behind us, and the water was in front of us, and Moshe Rabbeinu, the great Moshe Rabbeinu, gave a commandment to the water, split! The water said, no! I am created in Hashem's nature. Water freezes. Water turns into steam and vaporizes. Water doesn't split. I will not split. The Jews served idols. The Mitzrim served idols. I am not splitting. I don't care who you are, Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Jews stood there, and we were stuck. And then all of a sudden, the Yam said, I see something. Vayar. Right? It saw something. Vayanas. And it split. Marahayam. What did the Yam see? Atmos Yosef. The bones of Yosef. Why don't say the body of Yosef? It saw a person that removed all their outer clothing, all their materialism, went against the normal nature of a human being, took off everything. It's just the bones. It's just the frame. It's the structure and the foundation. You say, there was such a person, they were carrying him with them, said the Yam, if a person can break his nature, I have to break my nature. So Yosef's Vayanos, running out, caused the Yams Vayanos. He saved the whole Israel. A person who is able to break his nature, she wants to do something, and it's her nature to do it, and she turns around, and she walks away like him, and she breaks her nature, she could save a cancer patient that the whole world and medical world said in the natural world, stage four, this person has 30 days. But if she broke her nature, she has a right to say to God, I, for you, broke nature. Mida, connected Mida, in the natural world, this person should not live, but I have the power to break nature. Therefore, I'm asking you to break nature. And it's brought down, and I told this to my boys, a guy came to me, and it's brought down in Chazal, that if a boy is walking down the street, and in front of him crosses a beautiful girl, and he really wants to look at her, take a good second look, a good long look, and he keeps walking, and he doesn't turn around. Chazal say that at that moment, whatever you ask Hashem for, He will give you. I have a friend the biggest deal he ever did in real estate. He told me, he came to my office. He said, you're not going to believe it. It really works. He said, he was in Manhattan, and it was in the summer, and this model walked across the street, and he, he saw her from afar, and he really wanted to see who it was. And he just turned around and walked the other way. And under his breath, he said, Baruch Hu, I need a parnasa. I'm not doing well. I need a break. He said, it wasn't a week before the biggest real estate deal that he ever had in his life happened. If a person has the ability to break their nature, they have a right to ask God to break the nature. What a crazy power each one of us has. But in order to do that, you have to have clarity. You have to know what is sand and what is water. What reflects God and what doesn't. And if you have that kayak, then someone in this room, Jazrat Hashem, can bring the Geula, the real Geula, you could be the mother of Mashiach. I always say, I can't be Mashiach, I'm a Kayan. That's for sure. And my sons, I don't have any, but if I had one, also couldn't be Mashiach, because they would have been Kayhanim. But you, the mother, can be a Kayan. A Bas Kayan. So, it could be that sitting in this room right now, is the mother, or sister, or aunt, or Mashiach. But to do that, you got to leave your outer clothing in the hands of the Yetzirah. And Vayanos, Vayetzirah You have to run away from his powers. And the schus of that, Mitz Hashem, will talk next week on Hanukkah, 
That was the schus that Klai Yisrael had on Hanukkah. They fought Greek culture. They said, we are Jews, we are different. And that's schus. Shetaka see the Geula, and here be a main, no main. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.